Hey, this is Thinking and Drinking. I'm your host, Bart Almond. Over the last 30 years or so, I've worked for major record companies, working with major artists such as Alabama, the Dixie Chicks, and Florida Georgia Line. I've also been writing songs for the past 15 years, have over 50 cuts, two number ones, and made a lot of friends along the way. I'm going to be talking to some of those friends about songs, life on the road, and just life in general. I hope you have as much fun as I will. Tammy Ragusa has been a dear, dear family friend for over 15 years. Seriously, to know her is to love her. She's been a staunch record company employee, a fiery independent, and most of all, she was and is a fan of the music. A fan of the writers, pickers, and the singers. Mention one of her faves, and you just watch her face light up. I hope you can hear it here today. My beautiful bride, Amy, joined me in this podcast because she loves Tammy as much as I do, and they've both been women in the music biz, which I haven't. Anyway, Tammy spent her quarantine time in Illinois with her mom and took some time to Zoom with us. She's the best, and we love her. Here's Tammy Ragusa. Tammy, what are you doing? Hey, you. (laughs) How are you? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> good. Where are you? Where are you? I am in Illinois at my mom's house. Oh, sweet. Nice. I have been here since November. <laughs> oh my gosh. Dang. Yeah. About the time I was supposed to go back to Nashville is when the coronavirus hit. Wow. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Dang girl. Yeah. But <laughs> at least I'm in a place with family, you know. <laughs> True, true, true. There's nothing else. This is like the ultimate small town. There's nothing here. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So so you're from my hometown. (laughs) I'm not from here. That's the other thing. I'm not from here. So it's not like I have friends I can call up and hang out with. It's me and mom and my older brother. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Can you hear Amy? I can. Okay. Do I need another light on? No, you're good. Okay, good. good. Yeah, this is just audio, so don't worry about that. I may take a picture, but don't. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Dang, I did my hair and put on makeup. And I got to tell you, I was putting on my makeup. My skin started burning. I don't know if it's (laughs) because my skin's gotten sensitive or because I need to throw my makeup out. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? Who knows? Well, you look great. (laughs) Well, thanks thanks for doing this. Oh, I'm happy to. Yeah. Well... So you've been in Nashville for 25 years. Yes. So where were you born? I was born in Durham, North Carolina. Oh, really? Yes. Nice. I knew you were a good Southern girl. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 Southern born and bred. Raised, sure. uh, grew up in North Carolina. I lived there until I was, I think, 15. And my mother and daddy moved us to Illinois for my dad's job. Yeah. Um, but I got back down to the South as quick as I could. Yeah. <laughs> so are you from a musical family? Uh, musical, music fans. Okay. Um, dad loved anything he could stick in his ears. He loved it from, you know, when he grew up, it was Frank Sinatra and he's Italian. So it was the Rat Pack and nice. all of that really great, rich music. But he also loved Waylon and Willie and um, the Outlaws and, George Jones and Jim Reeves and and my mother could play just about anything you put her in front of. Wow! So wow. Yeah. yeah, I got a nice little. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I started out uh, 
singing and dancing when I was little. And then my parents bought an old Wurlitzer organ, and I learned how to play that. And after that, you couldn't, anything you put in my hands, I was determined I was going to learn how to play it. Nice. Oh, that's great. So yeah. what do you play the best? <laughs> A recorder, right? <laughs> the radio? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I haven't played in a long, long time. I can still pick things out on the piano. Uh, the guitar is still the thing that I'm trying to master, guitar and fiddle. Good um, luck. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I can still play the flute pretty well. Any, any of the woodwind instruments, once you've learned one of those, you know them all. Okay. So, so when you say you're, you're trying to master the guitar, are you, are you playing along with records? Are you taking lessons? What are you doing? I'm a, you know, I look up things on YouTube from time to time. There you uh, go. I know a few basic chords. And unfortunately, all my full-size instruments are down in Nashville. So I ordered a little travel guitar to just kind of keep oh, things up. So, yeah, you know, when, I – go ahead. When, no, I was going to say, when you get back, you got to come out here. And we'll, uh, we'll, we'll pick and grin for a while. As long as you'll teach me and won't laugh at me. <laughs> well, <laughs> well I, I will laugh. <laughs> no bet, right? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Well, what, what got you to, uh, to Nashville? Well, I mean, I always loved music. My parents were so supportive of me, you know, taking dance classes. And they, like I said, we got that Wurlitzer organ and we, my mother and I both took organ lessons. And then I kind of took the initiative to transfer that over to piano and taught myself piano. And then in junior high, I had a crush on the drummer, so I joined the band. Nice. Um, yeah, and picked up a flute because my neighbor played it. And so I was always interested in music, and I loved listening to music. My parents just get, you know, gave us all kinds of music to listen to, rock and country and classical and um, jazz, just everything. My aunt lived with us for a while and she was a big Elvis fan. Oh. So it was always around and I always loved it, but I knew that making a career out of it was a little tricky. Yeah. So um, I ended up kind of doing other things and didn't start college until I was 35 when I heard about Belmont mm. and realized that all those people I had been reading their names in the liner notes were real and those were jobs and I could do that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I came to Belmont and Lord have mercy here. I've been, <laughs> I don't think I knew you went to Belmont. I didn't either. I went to Belmont. Did you, when did you go? Uh, don't look at me. I, I, didn't know I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I went to uh, university of Nebraska and dropped out and then moved down here and went to Belmont just for a couple of years. But yeah, I don't know when it was. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't graduate because didn't the good either. thing was, since I was an older student, they let me start interning right away. Oh, cool. Uh, nice. Yeah. So, so, that, so then you got a job right off the bat. Right. Yeah. Well, sort of. <coughs> I got the internship with Arista in the PR department, and it was just one of those right place, right time things that a couple of people left the company, and I was able to slide into a position, and thinking in my head that, you know, if I wait until I graduate, then I'm competing with all these, you know, 18, 19, 20-year-olds. Yeah. Take the job. Right. <laughs> so I did. And, you know, I have no regrets. There's still a part of me that wants that degree, but yeah. uh, I'm not sure it'll be in music business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe it's something that 
you could use later on. You you have a music degree in like what it was hard knocks or whatever. You you exactly. time in for sure. Yeah, I've got a PhD. Yes, you do for sure. So so how long were you at Arista? I was at Arista until Clive Davis went through the sold the company off and we went through the restructuring. Okay. Um, and there were I can't remember if it was nine or eleven of us that were able to keep their jobs. And I was the only person at the time that was doing artist development. Mm. So I was one of the, the lucky ones and who coped with the survivor's guilt. But transitioned over into the new restructured Arista and stayed with it for another, I think, year before I had an opportunity to go to RCA and worked there for two or three years. And then Mike Dungan and Fletcher Foster, my old bosses from Arista, were at Capitol yeah. And they called one day and said, we need you. And I said, I'm there. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. That's yeah. great. So you went from across the hall to across town. Yes. yes. Exactly. <laughs> went up a flight of steps, then went across town. Yeah. Exactly. There you go. It was so pretty great. Did you two work together like in the same building at the same time during? I don't think, were... I don't think we ever did. Okay. No. Are you talking about when he was at Sony? Yeah. When he was at uh, RCA. When I was at RCA. Oh, I don't think so. No, I don't I, think so either. I'm trying to remember who all was on the RCA team back then. Keith Gale and Mike Wilson. Yeah, I worked with those guys. Dale Turner, Tom oh, Schuyler. No, and Darcy Miller was the coordinator. Okay, okay. I was. Yeah, I was already. I was already. Uh, I had been shown the door by then. <laughs> <laughs> there are ships that passed in the night. That's right. That's right. <laughs> So, so how did we meet? Because I, I feel like I've known you for forever. And how did you guys meet? Well, I met through you. Yeah, we oh, met through okay. you. Yeah. Uh, did y'all meet through I, Sean? Cats? Oh, dear God. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we, probably though, I feel like we met, oh, Lord have mercy, uh, at Tin Roof. Yeah, on one of those yeah. nights when everybody was back when you could get into the roof, and yeah. you know we weren't too old. Um, yeah, <laughs> it was just one of those fun nights where who was that band that always played there? The Seagulls. Yes, or yes, no, no, not the Seagulls. I can I can see that. Well, I can it's, see. it's something like that. Yeah, oh, I can shoot. see the Seahawks. Seahawks. Yes. yes. But yeah, I mean, I, but I know we know that that Tommy and Jeff Lecision and Sean and Al and all those guys and, wow. and yeah, we all just hung out there. That was our home away from home. Yeah, having a cheeseburger, a fifty cent beer. That was just a good place to hang. It was, and still is, I believe. I'm just too old to get in there anymore. They won't let me through the doors. Oh please, <laughs> <laughs> there's nowhere to park now. <laughs> It was really close to where I lived, so I would go there after work and hang out and see you guys, and that was back before Randy Hauser had his record deal, Jared Neiman had his record deal, and you'd run into those guys and hang out and have some beers. Eddie Montgomery used to leave there on his knees. (laughs) (laughs) Remember that. Well, so while you were at one of these labels, the the three the three biggies, Arista, RCA, and Capital, who who was your favorite act to work with, and why, and why was why were they your favorite act? Oh my gosh! I, I know that's impossible to. to well, say. it's probably different at every record label. I mean, yeah. and for different reasons. Um, when I was at 
Arista, I loved working with Leroy Parnell so oh, yeah. much. He's, he is the consummate artist. Yeah. You know, he, yeah, he, he really does is. it for the music. And, yep. and he's still just does it very, for the music. Yes. Uh, he's a very kind soul. He's very deep. Um, but honestly, they were all amazing. Brett James, he was an artist back then on Arista. Yeah. Oh, wow. It was just delightful. Yeah. Um, RCA, I loved Martina. Dang. And I, worked, still do. I worked with her for five years. She is just, she and John, they are yep. machines, but they are machines with a great amount of heart. Oh, yeah. I also loved working with Andy Griggs. He was just oh, yeah. good, solid dude, you know, and he, all, I was so used to artists showing up late for interviews and Andy would be there before I got there. And That's I remember rare. being so shocked <laughs> by that. But yeah. then he also stole an ambulance. So there's that. Oh, okay. Uh, would you like to uh, expand on that a little bit? Well, it was back in the era of Kenny Chesney and Tim McGraw and the okay. incident. Yes. And it was shortly after that that Andy and his, I think it was in his tour bus, they pulled up to a hotel and there was an ambulance running outside and a very bad decision was made yes. for them to take it just around the block. But that was, you know, that was enough. When they got back, they had to pay the price. So I bet. he stepped up in his defense. He stepped up immediately before he even called me. He had a plan in place to, you know, kind of fix the situation best nice. he could. Well, that's good. Yeah. Um, at Capitol. Oh, my God. You know, you can't say enough nice things about Keith Urban. Yeah. Um, or Dirks Bentley, for oh, that yeah. matter. Or Luke Bryan, for that matter. <laughs> They're all great. They're all sweet people. I worked with the best in the business. I have no complaint. There are a couple I could, you know, throw some daggers at, but (laughs) you don't have to. Yeah. No. (laughs) So when I was working for Martina for five years, she was 15 minutes late for everything. (laughs) And, and we got in the car one time in Minneapolis, we were heading from the hotel to the radio station. And she said, I'm, I'm 15 minutes late every for everything. Why do you think that is? And I said, because, you have a, a center of the universe complex. She went, what? I said, yeah, you think the whole world revolves around you. Oh, gosh. And she went, what? I said, I'm kidding. But all we got to do is set your watch 15 minutes ahead and you'll yeah. be on time for everything. She went, I never thought about that. <laughs> Easy. Here we go. And she was never late again. She was so much fun, man. Yeah, when I was working in PR, we had a few artists that we did that with, that we would set, <laughs> we would send in the schedule. It was for 30 minutes, 30 to 15 minutes sooner than what the actual time of the event was. Yes. Yeah. Very smart. Got to do it. Absolutely. So <laughs> doing what you're doing now versus working for a label, are the artists more honest with you? Are they less honest with you? Is it the same? Because you have such a great reputation, is it just the same? Um, you know, I hope it is. When I started doing this, my thing was having been okay. So, at the label, I was on the giving end of it. I was giving the press all this information, giving the public all this information. Yeah. And then when I went into the journalism side, of course, I was receiving. But knowing what it was like on that giving end, I really wanted to cultivate a safe place wherever I was at that when an artist saw me and sat down, they thought she's got my back. Right. Right. Uh, So I've always 
like with a new artist, an artist that I am interviewing for the first time before I hit record, I always say, look, if you say something and it doesn't sound good, just pause. Let's just stop for a second and yeah. you rethink it. Simultaneously, if you say something and I think, you know, that's not going to come off really well, I may pause and say, you want to you give yourself a second and think about that. Yeah. I also, with artists who have gone through difficult things, like I recently spoke to Granger Smith, mm. I always want to be mindful of that and let them know that I have no ill intent, that I don't want to do anything to hurt them or their situation. Yeah. Consequently, if I ask them a question that sounds like I'm probing, they need to stop me and say, can we redirect? Yeah. That's great. I just, yeah. I, you know, I want them to feel like they can be honest with me and I want them to know they're safe with me. I'm not a hard news reporter. Right. Never could be. I, it's just not my bag. So <laughs> they know that. They know. <laughs> You're too sweet, Tammy. <laughs> well, but you, I, you, would, know, you would be the smiling assassin, though. <laughs> <laughs> Once in a while, you know, I get caught up with, there are some of them that I'm comfortable with and they're comfortable with me and we'll get going and I'll, yeah. I'll think, you know what, we need to stop recording this because it's going fast. Oh, no. So is it, is it, is it harder, do you think, being a woman in the music business? I mean, c coming up <laughs> through the label system and everything? Well, you know, it's hard to say because I don't know what it's like to be a man in the music right. business. Right. It seems like it is. It seems like, you know, of course, I can also and have in my bitter times when I was unemployed, I also thought that it could be ageism, you know, because I am older than people that are at my level in the industry. But I think there are definitely places that women aren't as, aren't able to access as easily yeah. i definitely think there's a boys club um yeah. and they still have some muscle in music city and it, it kind of hurts my heart but you know it also lights a fire in me to work harder and and i i also i've been practicing a lot of critical thinking during this time <laughs> <laughs> so i also sit back and think okay what am i upset about am i upset about that they are doing something that i want to do because if that's the case, then I just need to go do it. Sure. Uh, yeah. Or am I just upset that, you know, they got some attention that I might have wanted? In that case, I don't really want what they're doing, so yeah. move yeah. on. That's a, that's a good way to think about it. Well, <laughs> it's, you know, it's really different. I've seen so many female artists come and go, and on their side of things, that's, that's a whole different thing sure. for them. Yeah. But on the business side, you know, you just kind of have to, you have to weigh it all. Yeah. And see what it really means. For sure. I guess the worst part to me would have been like the pay was kind of less. It felt like always. Always. Doing the same or more. It felt like, even though it was different work, mm -hmm. it was still, you know. I definitely had companies that I felt like my contribution was appreciated more. Sure. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And you know, unfortunately with journalism and coming over to that side, it's so devalued, period, across the board. It's not just country music journalism, across the board. And when print went away, you know, that was another gouge to journalist salaries. So yeah. you really, if you want to be a journalist 
anywhere, you've got to have some hustle and you've got to have some side gigs. I mean, I do, I still work as a consultant and I still freelance write. In addition to my day job, I do copywriting on things that I really know nothing about, but I'm a great researcher. There you go. So, but I enjoy the consulting and I still do some social media management kind of under the radar for some people. So, yeah. yeah, that's great. You know, and there's always a place or a need for copywriters. Like I bet every single artist, I, I'm not even going to name the ones that I've looked at recently online, but like they could use some good copywriting <laughs> on their website. They could also use some media training. Well, there's that too. <laughs> yeah. And you would be great at that because of how like open and giving you are and you're like, you would be great at training them. I, do you do that? I do. You do. I okay. Do. And I really do enjoy it. Um, I get, there's a level of frustration that you have to cope with because inevitably with new artists, when you're working with them in any capacity, they know more than you do and they know better than you do. Sure. So you can go through media training with them, yeah. but it, media training is one of those things. It's like a vaccination that you need a booster shot. Yeah. So it sticks for a little while and then they get caught up in the moment and they're like, whoa, hurdy gurdy. And it's crazy. Yes. We've all seen that happen for sure. Yeah. So I think, I think every artist should have a yearly booster shot of media training. That's probably a good idea. Yeah. You know, rein them back in a little bit. Yeah. 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 Teach them how to focus, how to complete a sentence, how to get off of crutch words like, um, and er, uh, Yes, for yeah. sure. Because I have to try transcribe that crap now. And again, how to complete a sentence. How to complete yes. a sentence. We could, we could repeat that like 30 times. And more, more than yes or no. Yes, absolutely. Hold a little bit. Mm-hmm. Not well, everybody has that. Just because you can sing doesn't mean you know how to, to do that. So that's, yeah. that's why you're... Yeah, there's it. a misconception that when somebody gets behind a microphone, they're smart. Right. <laughs> I I worked with an artist and I'm not going to say his or her name, but they were so bad in a meet and greet situation that we ended up giving them a laminate that said doctors ordered voice rest. And I've heard this story. We would not let that person talk to anybody because they were just, Great singer, great writer, great player. They could not fathom. They just could not. If you and your husband and your four-year-old came up to them in a meet and greet, this person couldn't even say, hey, buddy, what's your name? Yeah. Couldn't, I, even, couldn't even figure that out. So we just said, instead of looking like a, a goofball, let's just not do that at all. Yeah. And, and, and that's what exactly what you just said. Just because you're a great singer doesn't mean you're a great conversationalist, doesn't mean you're a, a, a great anything else. Mm-hmm. But we all expect that as fans, we want you to be everything. We want that connection. Yeah. Well, that's why, like, Garth Brooks is the biggest he is. Absolutely. He absolutely. can do that part, like, oh, yeah. hands down. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's why you meet, you have meet and greets, so they can, it's not just yeah. about getting an autograph and a picture, and that's what is so special about country music is connection, yeah. you know, yeah, whether it's in the lyrics or the performance or, you know, there's a difference between being a singer and an entertainer and an artist. Absolutely. But when it all comes down to it, whatever reason, 
reason that a fan likes an artist and their music, what takes it over the top and takes them to the next level is that connection. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Well, so just going back to the music biz real quick and the good old boy network is, is there, what do you think it's going to take to, to fix that? Because other formats have fixed that like Sylvia Rohn, you know, was the head of, of Electra records and stuff. And she was, I mean, she was the trifecta. She was a, a gay black woman and she was the head of Electra records. What's it going to take in, in Nashville? Do you think for, to, to get over what we were talking about, the, the good old boy network. What's it going to take to get over that? Um, time. Yeah. I think it's going to, because I feel like. It's obviously not talent because no. we obviously have amazingly talented women in this business. Yeah. Yes. Yes. There is an abundance of talent. The, I think the problem is we see one woman have success like Renee Bell. Yeah. was mm-hmm. insanely successful at RCA. Right. And then Renee re- retired, and there wasn't really anybody. Or Frances Preston, she was yeah. up there. Mm-hmm. And then it's we need a groundswell of this. We need more than one. We need more than one Cindy Mae, but Universal. We oh, need, yeah. yeah, we need several people in those key spots. And, you know, I give it up to the women in country music and the business end. They really are trying. They've got organizations that help promote yeah, women in country music. For sure. And, and they really have each other's backs. It's funny because in the journalism side of things, I do feel a little bit of competition, not just among women, but across the – and it's not competition for stories. I'm not sure – I'm not really sure what it is, but you just kind of feel a little bit of a, an edge there. Yeah. Um, but there are so many great women in the journalism side of this business that, you know, I look at and aspire to be like Becca Walls. My gosh, she is fantastic. Yeah. And everybody yeah. loves her. Everybody knows her. Kelly Sutton. So there are women in all aspects of the business that are doing well, but it's just going to take time because a lot of it is you take two steps forward and one step back or, you know, and sometimes it's one step forward and two steps back, but it's just going to take time and, and more than one, yeah. more than one female icon. Yeah. It, it would be nice to see like that first female, like CEO of a Nashville label, like a big mm-hmm. Nashville label, not a small one, but a big Nashville label. I think uh, Cindy Mabe is going to be. That. Yeah. 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 So hopefully I think she happen soon and maybe there'll be just like a, you know, I don't know, snowball effect from that. Yeah. Well, Cindy is very um, supportive of women in the business. When I was at Arista, she and I were like at the same level. We were both in artist development. We were both artist development managers. And then Dan Anderson was there for BNA. And when my boss left, she got her position. And I was thrilled because I already had to work with Cindy and I knew she was just a fountain of knowledge, but they offered me the position at RCA, her old position. Okay. So at night, after hours, after everybody had emptied out the office, she and I would get together in her space and talk about, I'd give her pointers on how to deal with the Arista artist and she'd give me pointers on how to deal with the RCA artist. Yeah. <laughs> it was fantastic. It was one of the greatest experiences I've ever had with a woman in the music business. Yeah. She was yeah. just a great leader. You know, and then like at Country Weekly, we had Lisa Kanicki was our editor-in-chief. She was fantastic and she fights for women still. Yeah. So 
it'll it'll happen. It'll happen. It's not going to be dominated by women, which it shouldn't be. I mean, diversity is diversity. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. You need everything, you know. Yes. But yeah, you, you need the best person doing the job you know, yes. at the end of the day. Um, yes. So switching kind of back <laughs> over to your writing career, um, what what was like your first big article that you had published and like what what magazine was it in? Who was it about? Well, the first when when I left the record label and started my PR business and then got back into journalism, it was with Premier originally. Okay. Radio. And the first interview that I ever did was this little unknown artist named Taylor Swift. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. She's she's still in the biz. Um, you know, I hear about her once in a while. (laughs) I think she's won a couple of awards. She's doing all right. I'd be okay. Um, and I think I was the, I was either the first or second person for her to talk to. So that was wow. really, yeah, it was really special to see, you know, that star kind of shine. Uh, at Country Weekly, dang, I wish I could remember. It might have been Miranda. Oh, yeah, that's another good one. Yeah. Um, yeah. And for some reason, Miranda and I just clicked. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll never forget one time I was just sitting at my desk in there and the managing editor turned around from his desk and said, Hey, do you have time to interview Miranda next week? And I said, sure. And he said, good. She asked for you. Oh, wow. And I was like, what? That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. We talked about Spanx a lot. <laughs> In that conversation. Yeah. So yeah. I think she felt well, comfortable. <laughs> well, sure. was, was that after you were at Capitol? That was when I was at Country Weekly. Country Weekly. No, no, I know that. But I mean, was that after you were at Capitol? Oh, Yes. Okay. So did you know her from Capitol? No. No. Okay. Was she no, I knew her. I first met her from Premiere when okay. I was at Premiere, um, probably doing remotes. You know, it was like a five or 10 minute interview and then later got to do a album release interview and then catch up interviews. And we just kind of yeah. built this relationship. And That's I mean, cool. she, I love her because she is what she is. Yeah. She is yeah. unapologetic. And I love being in the business so long, y'all know this too. You get to see these artists evolve. Yeah. I get attached and I yeah. hate that myself, but I do. I can't help it. And watching her evolution from being this feisty little firecracker to being this mature, mindful, thoughtful woman that she yeah. is now, it's just, it's yeah. so much fun. Yeah. It is. It's kind of like having kids without having kids. Yes. Right. Hey. <laughs> exactly. Don't have to send anybody to college. <laughs> that's yes. why. That's why we have dogs. Exactly. <laughs> I have nothing. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> so, what's your what's your favorite question to ask an artist? If you don't if you don't know them, like if you don't have a Miranda type relationship, if you're interviewing somebody for, somebody the, first for the first time, yeah. yeah, it's probably one of the ones that they hate answering the most because probably everybody <laughs> asks them when I first sit down with them I want to know why what what made them go from being somebody who just enjoyed playing music in their room to wanting to pursue this as a career in a yeah. business yeah um, I think you find out a lot about their intentions and their knowledge and um, their expectations because mm. I mean it's cruel out yeah. there for men and women. Yeah. What, so what's the most interesting answer you've gotten? 
Um, and you don't have to say who it was or anything, of course. I mean, the one that I find very interesting are the guys that think it's funny to say to get chicks. Yeah, of course. Yeah. 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 Well, that's, that's a not- great question to ask. I mean, like everybody that has, because being an artist is kind of being an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Or you have your own business. You should definitely know your why. You know. Yeah. Yes. And that's a that's a huge thing for an artist to they should know that. Yeah. Well, and to understand, you know, that it is a business. Um, yeah. After they've you know crossed over to the dark side, it's yeah. about <laughs> you know making money and yeah. pleasing fans, and you know, yes, there is still some art to it, but Sometimes. at the end of the day. You're in it. It's a job. Yeah. It's a job. And you're also helping create other jobs and mm-hmm. you know, all that. So it's not just you at that point. You are exactly. a cottage industry yeah. at that point. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Is there any questions you won't ask? Um, and I don't mean like, you know, like the silly ones. Yeah. The tidy whitey. I won't ask that. <laughs> <laughs> I will never ask that. Um, I try not to probe into their personal lives too in, much in a, yeah, in a, yeah. in a too personal way. You know, of course I yeah. want to know what their likes and dislikes are and their interests are and about their hometowns and their families. But um, one of the things that I love asking about is, you know, in country music, we're so fortunate that these artists are really, most of them are really grounded in faith. Yeah. And it's one of the things that I love to get them to open up about a little bit. And most of them embrace that opportunity and run because it gives them a chance to kind of share their faith without, you know, forcing it down anybody's throat. And it's so inspiring. You know, we all, especially now, we all just want to be inspired. Yes. Yeah. Yes, for sure. Is there any artist that uh, really, really surprised you? Like you, you, you went into the interview thinking you knew exactly who that person was and you left that interview completely, completely like blown away. Yeah. Or... Blown away with somebody else. Um, yeah. Sam hunt. Yeah. Really? Yes. You know, when I sat down to interview him the first time, I thought the stereotype I thought well here's this bro country dude that's just doing it for the chicks and Mm. he's probably about as deep as a mud puddle (laughs) he I look forward to interviewing him any chance I get yeah he's so kind and so thoughtful and so um intentional with what he says he has a really deep faith um he's just and he loves a good laugh. You know, he's just a good, good person. I want to talk to the good guys. Oh, yeah. you know who else surprised me? Toby Keith. Oh, oh my God. Because I had thought that he might be a little curmudgeonly, might be a little bit of a bear. Yeah. Right. But when I sat down to talk to him, I didn't want to stop. Oh, he wow. was just, yeah. He talked about his art, like he loves to paint. He opened up about oh. that a little bit. And he was just very tender and very kind. Hmm. Interesting. That's great. Oh, and Jennifer Nettle, she was a fun one too, because we com- we totally got off of music and started talking about things like quantum physics and manifestation. And yes, oh, it was amazing. <laughs> I would so, have lost in that conversation. So which one of you is the quantum physics person? Love it. Really? Yes, I love it. Wow. Yeah. 
okay. then we also went, yeah, we went off on like the secret and, you know, uh, the law of attraction and it, it was just incredible. Oh, and I always want to dig into that with her again. But I know, you know, when you sit down with an artist to do an interview, you know, there's an agenda. They're yeah. promoting an album. They're going on tour. Right. Um, very rarely is it a chance to just sit and catch up. But once in a while it is. Yeah. But yeah, I always like to know what they're reading, you know, what they're listening to. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So um, is there an artist that you've never interviewed that would be like your, your dream, like your like Paul McCartney or Billy Joel or somebody like that? Living or dead? Either one, both. Yeah. Oh gosh. <laughs> you know, I think Michael Jackson would have been fun to interview. Yeah. Uh, from the pop side of things. I would love to interview Bill Anderson. Oh, Whispering yeah. Bill. Yeah. Goodness. Um, he called when I was at Arista, he called the office one day and I kind of got directed since I was artist development. I kind of got directed all of the calls that nobody really knew what to do with. <laughs> and he was calling to talk to get Brad Paisley's contact information. Um, and it went to voicemail and I saved that message for five years. Aww. Just because, Yes. Just to hear Bill Anderson go, Tammy, this is whispering Bill. Oh my gosh. <laughs> if only you could have that like as a ringtone. <laughs> Oh, that'd be really good. That'd be really cool. So obviously, obviously, Bill and and Brad hooked up, so that worked out pretty well. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm assuming that was for whiskey lullaby. Uh, you know, I don't know. That was so long ago. That was like early in Brad's career. Oh, okay. Uh, but it might have been at least the blossomings of it all. Yeah. So I know that you you cover like a lot of fun events like um, CMA Fest, CMT Awards, all that good stuff. Do you prefer doing that over like a one on one, or is there a preference you have? If it's well, if it's a well done event, I love covering events because you get from a business perspective, you get a gob of content in a right, short right. amount of time. Yeah, um, and the artists for the most part, the artists and their teams for the most part know that this is just a little filler. So we're not expected to go too deep into anything. Right. Uh, red carpets are tough because, you know, you get three to five minutes and mm. sometimes that's not even one question. That's a hi, how are you? Move right. along. Um, <laughs> the music festivals are a lot of fun though, because then it's like the reward is you get to see them perform. Um, I saw Luke Combs at the Toadlick Music Festival before he was anything. Yeah. on the day stage and then got to talk to him. So I had all this great content on this now superstar before he was really a superstar. Yeah. But the one-on-ones, if I can get an artist out of their element to do a one-on-one, like I did an interview with Wade Bowen at um, one of those bars along the Mondrian South. Oh yeah. There? Yeah. I think. Yeah. It's been know. a minute since I've been down there. <laughs> yeah. So we did an interview there. You know, I interviewed Ronnie Dunn out of his barn. You get them where they're comfortable. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's just, it just flows. And I don't like to go in with too many notes. I like to kind of have a conversation and just let it glide along. Yeah. Understandable. So, um, okay. We're getting, speaking of notes, we're looking at our notes here. Um, since COVID, we have to talk about COVID because we're still in the middle of it. Um, mm -hmm. 
and like having to do a lot of, I noticed like on your Instagram, you've posted like interviews or pictures of interviews that you've done through Zoom. How has that been? And like, are you just tired of it? <laughs> I'm actually not tired of it. Oh. Um, it's, it's been kind of nice. It oddly, it makes things a little more intimate you know, for the artist, it's fun because normally when we're doing those roundtable interviews or round robins, we go to audio productions or we go to some other studio right. or we go to a room at one of the labels and we're all sitting around a table and it's bam, 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 bam. You know, everybody sure. asks a question. Yeah. And it's still the same thing with the Zoom calls, the Zoom interviews. However, this time the artist has our face on there and our name and it's given them a chance to connect. I have not sat down in a zoom interview yet where when it was my turn to ask a question, the artist didn't say, Hey Tammy, how you doing? And we don't always get that in those because they talk to a hundred people. They can't remember all of us. Sure, That makes sense. Yeah. And we don't always, you know, we're in such a hurry to make use of that time. We don't always stop and say, hi, I'm Tammy with premiere this is my question. Right. So right. We're just trying to get the content. Um, yes. So it's in a weird way. It's made it more personal. That's um, interesting. That's fun. That's good just to know. Cause reason. yeah, we've heard that like, I guess some, he's talked to some record promoters and like, I guess radio stations are kind of over the, the zoom calls these days, as far as like introducing new acts and stuff like that. I think they're ready to get back to normal, but. That's, that's a very interesting insight on that, I think. Well, it's a little harder, I would think, with introducing new acts. You know, you really need that yeah. face time with them. Um, and, you know, fortunately, with the artist, I think, that I've interviewed, I'm trying to think. I don't think there's been any. Oh, yeah, I did interview one for the first time. And it is a little tougher to make that connection. But if you find something that you can kind of chuckle about that you have something in common, it makes it easier. But yeah, I can imagine for those radio promoters, that's a tough sell right now. Yeah. I mean, those guys and you know, a a PD or an MD is taking 30 calls a week from record promoters. And they're also doing all of their other meetings radio station wise on zoom and some of these guys are just zoomed out yeah you know it, it, it's hard it's just but it, but at the same time it's it's a really different kind of of way of doing business and i gotta believe man that these i i i did two record promoters in the last three or four weeks and i said have your bosses figured out that they don't need to be paying two hundred thousand dollars a month in in lease and phones and everything else because you guys can all do your jobs at home and they go and like, yeah, yeah, they're figuring that out. It's like, I think it's really going to change how business is done, period. I mean, I think artists and record promoters are going to get back on the road, but at the same time, if you can do your job at home and you don't have to have an office, I, I think that's, I think that's where we're headed, man. Yeah. I agree. I think there's also been an element of it's been easier for the artists to do this because they could do it at home. So I feel like some of them we've had access to that we might not otherwise, or Mm -hmm. or we might not have as much time with them. You know, when they're in the comfort of their own home, we'd had an interview with Kit Moore. My gosh, it was so good. And he was just, I think he was at his house 
Um, and he had a guitar across his lap the whole time, yeah. and we were all just waiting for him to bust out and start playing. I bet. But, it, you know, they're comfortable, and they're talkative, and it's been a while, and it's just a different time, and we all need to adjust. It right. is what it is. So, like, with the artists that you've been working with, um, like, kind of your side hustle, have you found difficulties with, like, the COVID restrictions that are going on for them? For them, what's tough is not being able to play live shows. Yeah. So their income has been severely impeded. Yes. Um, consequently, you know, we all pull back from that. Um, I don't, you know, as a, for what I do, it's usually a percentage. I, I can't see myself taking a consultant fee right now yeah. for an artist that's not making any money. It's not sure. fair and it's heartless um, for me. You know, other people who have set up business like this for a while and have a system, that's great. They they can do that, and it's probably full-time work for them, so go for it. Right. But right now, you know, I'm more concerned about these artists getting money in their own pockets. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. starting to open up a little bit. You know, they're getting random shows here and there, and uh, I think they've all set up tip jars in Patreon, and, you know, yeah. they're trying to get some revenue, and Music Cares is taking care of people, and... You know, we, we all have to, we're all in this together. Yeah, for sure. Joe Bonamassa just played at the, uh, the Ryman on Saturday and, uh, he did a completely internet only. You, you bought tickets. I think he sold 14,000 tickets Oh wow! at like oh 10, 10 bucks a piece or something, you know? And so you're sitting there in, in your living room watching it and he played his whole brand new album as well as other stuff, and, you know, and, and he had to change, sorry, he had to change band members because a lot of his band members couldn't, are not from Nashville and are quarantined here and there and everything. But, you know, there's, there's that. And there's, there's some of these, you know, the drive-in shows and what have you and stuff like we're figuring it out. Yeah. But it, it's going to take a while. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I've seen some great shows that I probably wouldn't have seen otherwise. I've watched Brandy Clark and Wade Bowen together twice and just fought back tears because yeah. it was just so good. Sometimes it's just so good. You want to cry. Yeah. 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 So then are you looking at like 2021 for your artists that you're working with? Um, right now, <laughs> like just throw 2020 out the window. It kind of feels that that's how I feel. I'm kind of letting everybody just, feel their way through because I, you know, I'm so blessed. Um, when this all went down, premiere is owned by iHeart and they didn't miss a beat. Um, they have done everything they can to retain their staff to not affect salaries. Yeah. I mean, you know, they've had some mandatory furloughs and like, I'm not eligible for overtime, but you know what, in the scheme of things, I still have a job and I still have a job I love. Yeah. That's great. Um, the interesting thing, though, is being able to keep a full-time job and, and a couple of side hustles, I've never had time to really process what's going on in the world. Yeah. So my anxiety is pretty high. <laughs> Just turn off the news. Stop looking yep. at Facebook. Yep. Well, the other thing is, as a social media manager, I'm constantly on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. That's true. Yeah. Because I have to know, or even as a content curator, 
you have to know what's going on and those are the best sources. So yeah, at about six or seven o'clock at night, I usually do turn off my phone and spend some time (laughs) with my mother and because I think I'm a pretty nice person, but I find myself going down very ugly roads when I read comments. (laughs) Yeah. I think we all do. We can all get that way. It's, you know, well, so many of these people are just sitting in their grandma's basement, you know, and commenting on everything and, and, just hateful stuff. Yeah. You know? yeah nobody Bad. stops to think. Again, right. with the critical thinking, nobody stops. Like, something was, ha- I can't even remember what it was, but there was somebody that was going off about <laughs> something. And, of course, I wanted to chime in because, you know, I'm half Italian, y'all. I can, I got a mouth. I bet. <laughs> I've never seen it, but, you know. Bart probably has. Um, Maybe. Shut up. Um, but... But then there's the part of me that is recognizing my reaction and controlling my response. And I thought, you know what, how hard it is for them to have so much chaos in their head and their heart that that's how it has to come out. Hmm. That's a good point. So hopefully I'm coming out of this a better person. (laughs) Yes. I think, I think, you know, the whole, like, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. That's the thing my mom drilled in my head. I kind of try to do that, especially on social media. So yeah. Southern mamas. Yeah. Amy's pretty good at, uh, questioning my motives saying <laughs> now is, is that kind is it right yeah is it true yeah yeah is mm-hmm. it true is it helpful is it yeah there's a there's an acronym think yeah. that it's all the things that you need but sometimes you have to do it just because it's funny oh yeah <laughs> that right. doesn't fit into the acronym <laughs> no. usually no. though it's not writing there's no f in think <laughs> Oh, well, do, do you want to do our uh, thinking and drinking lightning round? Oh, God. No, it's good. It's just quick answers. Just off the top of your head. Oh, it's sure. Good. Then We're going to ask you uh, 77 questions. <laughs> no. no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm just going to ask you a handful of questions. Okay. And just the first thing off the top of your head. Blue. Blue is good. That's, that's number four. Okay, we can cross that off. <laughs> What's your favorite book? To Kill a Mockingbird. Oh, nice. good. Good, good. Um, okay. I don't know if I'm, I'm going to skip that question. What's the what? last gift you gave someone? Oh, my gosh. Um, stops everybody, too, by the way. Oils. Oh, can you say it again? I think you froze up a little bit. Essential oils. Oh, okay. Nice. That's a good gift. Are you a bath or a shower gal? <laughs> shower. Nice. That's what I was skipping. Um, okay, what is the first concert you saw? How old were you, and did you buy a T-shirt? Uh, this is crazy. The Eagles. Ooh. Nice. I was about 13, and I came in backstage through the stage door, so I never saw the merch. Are you serious? That's an even better, like, story. Yeah. Who cares about the t-shirt? You, you snuck in backstage. That's awesome. I didn't, I didn't get to see the whole concert, but I got to see a little bit of it. Yeah. Did you get kicked out? No, no. We had someplace else to be. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Um, interestingly enough, I met those guys later on at Premiere. They did some remotes for us, and uh, nobody was asking any questions. So I, you know, as a journalist, you learn. You always have a backlog of questions, and yeah. I asked so many questions that when they left the room, they all stopped and hugged me. 
Oh, so. that's great. See, you never yeah. know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you collect anything? Uh, not really anymore. I used to be a big collector, but not really anymore. I still like to collect autographed CDs that have stupid messages. Like I have one from Sunny Sweeney that she just said, damn it, Tammy, Sunny Sweeney. <laughs> nice. I like that. That's good. That's a good one. That's cute. Yeah. So do you have a favorite TV show that you like to binge or you've been binging? Uh, I just introduced, introduced my mother to the office. So we've been binging that. Nice. Can't go wrong with that one. And then but the new one for me is Call the Midwife. Oh, is that, um, is that a British show? Yes, I am into these serious British docs. Oh my gosh, they're so good. These dramas. Oh, yeah. oh girl, we got BritBox and the Ac- Acorn TV. We we are all into the Brit. We oh, yeah. the files for sure. <laughs> yes. Every night we have haggis and no dark beer, and we watch four hours of British cop shows. <laughs> well, I had never seen Downton Abbey until the pandemic, and oh my gosh! Oh now my gosh! Good. Okay, you gotta so watch good. the crown. Okay, I'm gonna t- I'm gonna email you a list of shows you should watch. Okay. <laughs> so here's a, a absolutely impossible question for somebody like you to answer. But what's your favorite song? Oh man. Um, to either sing along with or just uh, like you were talking about, you saw shows and and it brought tears to your eyes. I mean, just either it one of those things. It changes all the time. Um, yeah. You know, one that I really, really go back to when I'm feeling like down in the dumps, this one always kind of helps me. Kip Moore had a song on his first album. Well, I'm Kip heavy today. Um, <laughs> on his first album called Faith When I Fall. Mm. And I love that. Um, along with Eric Pasley's Deep As It Is Wide. Yeah. So good. Yeah. yeah. I need those songs once in a while to help me get a good deep breath. Yeah. we. I think we all have our special <laughs> yeah. songs picked out like that. Um, so if you weren't doing what you're doing now, what would you be doing? Um, it would be something where I'm working with people. Um, something probably in the mental health, emotional health arena. Okay. Hmm. You know, there's something that I think a lot of us say, oh, I'd love to be a life coach. Well, I'm not sure that how that is. I don't know. But yeah, I'd want to be doing something that I was helping people, helping them. See that. Yeah, just yeah. kind of relax and breathe and you do you know, know that you're navigate. in the mental health business right <laughs> do what you do know that you're in the mental health business right <laughs> i am yeah. <laughs> well yeah sort of <laughs> i think at some point we've all probably been like psychiatrists to somebody or... yeah yeah oh yeah for sure yeah been on a few tour buses with sobbing artists mm-hmm. yep yeah mm-hmm. I've made some of them sob. So uh, what, what hobbies do you have outside of the music business? Um, I like to think that I am a, a crafty person, you know, but the truth is I'm a person who likes to buy crafty things. Okay. <laughs> Whether they actually, you know, are made is a whole other thing, but um, I'm a, I'm, I like to organize. So like I'm sitting here and I've got two planners next to me and I love to write in my planners. I love to journal. I love to, honestly, I love to write. Yeah. Just, you know, for my own enjoyment blog. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. You going to write a book? Ooh. I, I am 
contemplating that. Nice. Uh, it won't be a tell-all because I know where the bodies are buried. But, right. yep. um, but yeah, you know, I, I have flirted with that notion. I think it will surprise people what it's about, though. Yeah. Is it about two people called Bart and Amy by any chance? I would say they play a significant role. <laughs> yes. That's all I can say about that. Okay, perfect. Perfect. <laughs> okay, so what new artist are you listening to these days? New artist. I love Kaylee Hammock. Oh my okay. gosh, y'all. <gasps> She's so good. Um, I don't know who that is. I'll check it out. Oh my goodness, Bart, you're going to die because she mixes a little bit of rock and roll with a whole lot of country. And there's something really throaty in that Linda Ronstadt way about her voice. Huh. And she is a doll baby. Oh my gosh. Yes, please check her out. Okay. Yeah. Uh, also, in Texas, there's a guy named Randall King, off the chain good. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, Colby Cooper, so good. So I love the Texas music scene because they embrace diversity better than any than mainstream does. Um, and I don't know why. Have you heard of Sierra Hull? Hull, H-U-L-L? I feel like I just heard, like, like yesterday heard that. Man, she's Awesome. She lives here in town. She's a little bluegrass mando player. She's killer. Oh, there's another little bluegrass girl. What is her name? Oh, oh I can't think of it. I'll have to send it to you though. Yeah, she's I'm, so I'm, good. Yeah, there's some really good. There's some really good albums coming out right now of people that are just a, a DIY stuff that are just mm -hmm. doing it in their house. And it's really, I think music is really interesting right now. Instead of going to a, you know, $1,500 a day studio with $1,500 a day guitar players and banjo players and engineers, everybody's doing it in their bedroom. And there's some really cool music coming out right now. There is. And I'm, I'm loving seeing this kind of return to, I, I, you know, I almost hate saying that it's a return to it, but a, a embracing of traditional country sounds, because that's yeah. where my heart is. That said, I will rock out to some Thomas Rhett any oh, yeah. given day. Sure. And I yeah. think Florida's Georgia Line is one of the most maligned acts in country music. Yeah, um, I absolutely. have loved their evolution. It's just been a joy to watch. Um, so I love pop country. Too. I just love good music. That's my criteria. Don't yeah, yeah. send me crap. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty good it's pretty easy yeah you think fgl seems to get the uh the nickelback treatment it's like they have who knows how many number ones in a row oh, who knows how many records they've sold and they still get no respect and they're great guys and we i mean we're just obviously we both worked with them for a yeah. while but we love them and and they're never get they're never going to get that respect and i don't i don't understand that at all and how they've never been nominated for like entertainer, entertainer of the, of the year, year is just right ever. such garbage one of the best shows on the road in rock or pop or country or anything yeah i always get kind of i have to sit back and chuckle when i see people trashing them or anybody else that's had a successful career it's like you know they always say how are they getting airplay they're not country blah, blah. you know we've all seen it yeah. Right. But the numbers speak for themselves. Yeah. You know, you can't say, you can't talk about things that are subjective because that's all feelings. We have to yeah. go with something that's more tangible. Their sales numbers are high. It's the same with, well, a lot of stuff in the music business. Their sales numbers are high. Their ticket sales are great. Yeah. Their 
somebody obviously loves them. And it's a lot easier to go on social media and talk about the things you hate than the things you love. Yeah. That is true. So, yeah. That's true. Well, what's next for you? Um, when are you coming back to Nashville? I'm not sure. Uh, right now, Tennessee is uh, restricted from yeah. people from Tennessee have to go into quarantine for 14 days if they come to Nashville mm-hmm. or Illinois. So um, really? it's not going to be for a while. Um, I still have family down there. My brother and sister-in-law are down there with my nephew. So, you know, the award show would have been the next time, but that's yeah. obviously a whole different ball game. Um, so it may be 2021 before I'm back in Tennessee, but I'm okay with that. You know, I'm here with my mom and she needs me and you do what you have to do. Yeah. yeah. You'll be glad you, you had that time with your mom, you know, already am. Yeah. Yeah. For uh, you, sure. you can come hang out in our basement for 14 days. I is that your basement? Cause I could yeah. totally do that. Yeah. Can I yeah. play that guitar? There's a lot of guitars here that you can. Yeah, you're not, you don't even see half of them. Yeah, we, can, we, can, we can get you some lessons. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure Williamson County is not that restricted. I mean, I, I don't know really what the state laws are, but um, it's it's mask-free in Williamson County. Well, there's like, oh, really? Yeah. Unless you're like going into a store, but. Okay. Yeah. There's like 26 states that are on the travel ban for Illinois. Wow. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. But, you know, we had such a huge outbreak of it in Chicago and where we're at, oh, we're, yeah. we're really, we're close enough to Chicago for us to be, you uh-huh. know, aware. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So how do people get a hold of you? What are your socials? As the kids uh, I think I'm Cammy Goo Goo everywhere. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let me explain that. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't know the story. <laughs> when I was in junior high, uh, my dad, uh, where he worked, he worked in a factory, and they called him the Big Ragu. Wait, yeah, they called him the Big Ragu. I like that. And then I have an older brother. He's four, four years older than me, and they called him Goose. Um, yeah, so everybody wanted to play. You know, in growing up in North Carolina, they weren't as exposed to a lot of Italian people. Sure. So when I came along, and I was, like, short and little and – you know, kind of bouncing off the walls. They didn't know what to call me. So some of the guys at school started calling me goo goo and it had kind of fallen away after I moved from North Carolina and I was in a meeting at Capitol. Mike Dungan, the head of the company had been to Brazil and he was talking about how they called all of the men down there whose names were Augustus. They called them goo goo. And I reacted to that and said, Oh my gosh, they used to call me that. I should have never said that. Uh, yeah. 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 And that it stuck. Uh, thanks like to mine. It. And yeah, now even coworkers, kids call me Auntie Goo Goo. So oh, that's cute. Yeah. Well, see, you should like, you should relay that into some sort of like deal with Goo Goo clusters. I think. <laughs> Absolutely. Get something out of it. <laughs> I do love a good Goo Goo. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, thank you so much. You know, oh. I'll do a picture after we say goodbye. We'll we'll stop recording and then I'll do a picture. Well, okay. we just we just love you. We're so thankful that you're part of our lives yes. and we miss you. And uh, we're so glad that you're up there with your mom. And I know she's she's so glad you're up there with her. So uh, thank you for your time. Yes, and I want to say a big like thank you again because 
for people who don't know, you kind of helped us start this podcast. You, yep. you did our publicity for the podcast when it came out. So <laughs> you really helped it get on its way. You know, we've and done I'll, like 76 shows now. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> it's well, crazy. Y'all know I love you to pieces. Y'all oh, are we love you my too. favorite people in the world. Yes. There isn't a better match in the world than you two. Oh, you're sweet. You're sweet. <laughs> I don't know how you put up with him, Amy, I don't either. Whoa, hey, wait a whoa, hey. It's a high tolerance thing.